Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Two Peas on a Pod podcast. Hope you're having a lovely Tuesday morning wherever you're at. Thank you for joining the podcast today. We have a wonderful special guest today, three-peat guest, so he doesn't need any introduction. But welcome back to the podcast, Pastor Dwayne Gallagher. Hey, it's great to be with you. Wonderful for you to be back on the podcast. Great. Well, I appreciate the invitation. Yes, sir. I'm so thankful that you come back on. We enjoyed so much your two episodes on gender distinction and appearance, helping us with our holiness series. That was a great series, and I'm so glad you came on. We had some great feedback. Good. I'm glad glad you did that because it's so needed. While we were recording this, it hasn't been out very long, but we had some very good feedback to that, so so thankful for it. Great. I was we have a wonderful out. topic we're going to get to today, and I've wanted to get to this topic for some time. And there was a message in particular that I heard you preach. You know, honestly, I think it was Bond Camp Meeting, to be honest with you. I think it was. I don't know how many years ago that was. But that's what made me think of this message and topic. So when we was in the area, we're actually parked right here at Junction Hill, and I wanted to have you on. But before we get to that, there have been some questions we've asked people through the past Um, that came on the podcast and I'm going to ask you some of these same questions just to get some more input and see which side of the debate you land on okay (laughs) that sounds dangerous (laughs) (laughs) but these are not spiritual oh okay (laughs) (laughs) so the first question is how does Dwayne Gallagher eat a steak well, I have to admit, I eat it joyfully when I get one. You know, here, you know that's funny because my wife, she, um, she cuts one bite off at a time. Really? Yeah. And I think she says that that's technically proper etiquette. I, I don't know. But, you know, I cut the whole steak up, and that way I don't feel hindered <laughs> the rest of the time I'm eating it. I just go for it. Yes, we are the same right there. I guess Sister Brenda will have to forgive us for our lack of etiquette. I guess so, yeah. So what would be your preference? Are you a medium rare? Are you a medium, medium well, well done? Do you like hockey pucks? I mean, what's your... I would prefer medium. I don't I don't like to look like it came out of the field. I knew I liked you. You know, but I sure don't want it hard, so hard you can't chew it like for a shoe leather, you know? So in yeah. between. Brother Zach's not here. He's on the well-done side of this debate. Oh. So you probably didn't know that. And I'm on the medium side of this debate. Yeah. So it's been a year and a half of a reigning debate of the audience telling Zach he likes hockey pucks and beef jerky. <laughs> yeah. And then, then there's imagine. some that like medium rare, and I'm like, it's still moving. It's <laughs> still so, moving, yeah. Anyways, so here, here's another one, and this has been a debate, and you can thank Seth Cowart for starting this, mm. but uh, and Mark White as well. But we have had many discussions on hankies. Hankies. Because there have been certain individuals that come on this podcast several times that like to use hankies, and I use them every service, but they like to iron them and make them look pretty. Ooh. And so it's been a debate whether or not it was manly to iron them or not or how to do it. <laughs> And well, so, do you use a hanky? And if you do, how do you use it? Well, I do use a hanky, but I have to admit I've never ironed one. 
because to me it's not part of my it's not part of my outfit. <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm not wearing it in my pocket for everybody to see. Yes, yeah, so far uh, so far you're two for two on my side. Well, I mean, you know, a hanky's for blowing your nose, and that's kind of an undignified thing anyway. So it's kind of uh, you kind of use it without everybody seeing. Yeah, you know, well, you I actually it. use my hanky for sweat. During, well, I can imagine. during preaching. Yeah. And uh, if I happen to be in allergy season, I've already said it on here before, I, I carry two hankies, yeah. one for my nose and one for sweat. You know, I was going to say your wife probably carries two or three hankies because she probably sweats more when you're preaching than you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm a big, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's just from uh. preaching or I get warm, fast, or nervous, but I, I sweat quite a bit. So you've been in West Plains for... Uh, 24 years now. 20, 24 years. Yes. So you're originally from... Well, I, I was born and grew up in Illinois. Yeah. And so we covered that, I believe, on the last one of the last podcasts. So what would be your favorite thing about Missouri? Well, I love the rural setting that I'm in. It was really a shock. We moved here from Oklahoma City, and I mean, yeah. we lived right in the city. I've been to that air, yeah, right you've been there. To that neighborhood. Yeah, and not, my home was only three miles from the church. I was still in the metropolitan build up right there. area. So when we moved here, my first Sunday, I was back there in my study, just kind of walking back and forth and and praying and meditating. And I stopped and looked out the window, and there's cows right there within about five feet. And I just stood there thinking, man, what a culture shock! <laughs> I've been in the big city all these years, but I love this rural setting. In Missouri, the country's beautiful and the people are very friendly. And so if Brother Dwayne and Sister Brenda are looking to go to dinner, and mm-hmm. you don't even have to, I mean, you can go outside of West Plains. I would have to. If you're, <laughs> Unless I'm going if to If you're McDonald's. looking to go to dinner and you're just, we're going to go where we want to go, where, where are you looking to go? We are probably, when we go to Springfield, we're going to go to Longhorn Steakhouse mm. or Cheddar's. Longhorn or Cheddar's. And we do pretty well have to go to Springfield to find a good place to eat. That's about, what, an hour and 40? Yeah, 100 miles. Yeah. Longhorn is amazing. I love it. I love the seasoning. Outlaw. I think it's the Outlaw ribeye. Wow. Yeah. It's like 20 ounces. Rene- oh, mm. I never did that big one. Wow. You know, pastors don't make as much money as evangelists, so we can't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. We, we have not. to buy the smaller sirloin, you know. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, I'm thinking I cut it in half and take the other home. Oh, home. I see. Make two days out But of then it. sometimes, since you brought it up, sometimes we go and we get that and me and my wife split it. <laughs> there you go. Make a family meal out of it. Uh, but Pretty good idea. That is funny. Well, we're going to jump into the, we're going to jump into the topic today. Okay. And the topic today, I don't have a great title, but I guess you could call it being connected to your church, service Mm -hmm. for the Lord in your church, being faithful to your church, being used in your home church, however you want to put it. But you're going to start us out here, and we're just going to kind of have a discussion. I'm just going to kind of, I guess, ad lib through this. Um, kind of off the cuff, but how, how, however you want to start with this, but we're going to talk about being used in your church, being available in your church, your local church, not right. your friend's church, not the fellowship church, your home church. Very good subject. And, you know, it's, it's interesting but sad that just within the last two years, the companies who do polls and I know, I, I know they probably are not talking very much to our independent holiness Pentecostal churches, but overall in America, for the first time since they've been having these polls, 
regular church attendance, people who say they attend church regularly, which they said the requirement was you had to go at least once a month. To be considered, <laughs> honest to God, wow. to be considered a regular church attender, and it dropped below fifty percent for the first time, and was down to about forty-five percent. So you know that's a tragic thing, and I know COVID played a part in that. I understand, and people got used to, you know, watching Facebook Live and and hearing yeah. Mixler, and I, I understand the place that all had, but but a lot of churches have not recuper, recuperated from that, and their membership. And our attenders are way down. And and here's the other thing. It goes along with that. When I when I read these statistics of those who do claim to be regular members of a church. So, you know, that that's not from the whole population, but only among those who are actual members of a church. Only thirty-five percent of them say that they give regularly. You know, whether they call it tithe or giving. They give only thirty five percent give regularly to their church or pastor, which I feel like that's a, a very low percentage. And among those who do tithe or give, one fourth of them give less than ten percent. So a lot of people are not not very connected to their church, certainly not in their financial support of it as well as their attendance it's it's a sad thing but people a lot of people get distracted and busy and let everything else in their life become a priority and church attendance right and tithing and giving and being part of their church drops off the list mm-hmm. so you know here in this this too i know this is just statistics but i found this interesting that only 35 percent also of those who were considered regular church members only 35% of them said they read the Bible at some point every day. That's a, that's a terrible percentage. And 12% of regular members said they never, that's exactly their words, never read the Bible. So you got to wonder wow. how connected people are spiritually. And then that kind of leads us to where we're really going to talk today. In this poll, they said that it's kind of it's difficult to gauge exactly how many church members volunteer and serve and participate mm-hmm. in the ministry of their church but they from from their information they estimate that it's not over 30 percent so on the average and again I, you know who knows how many churches that and all the kinds of churches that involves about 30 percent of the people who attend there on a regular basis only 30 percent are actually involved in what the church is doing and that's why a lot of churches are struggling yeah people just are not connected even if they attend a lot of times they're not connected enough to be supporting it with their giving and supporting it with their time Mm -hmm. and those are the two main things that we have to give we have our time to give and our money to give and if we're not giving those in our church there's something wrong with our experience wow and that those i thought those numbers actually were, were very well they're sad and like i said i don't i don't i really don't think that our church members and our holiness Pentecostal churches fit in in all of those categories, and it would really be sad if that is the case. But I do know right. that no matter what the denomination, no matter what the persuasion, a very small percentage of the people in the church actually participate in the ministry and the work of the church, and that makes it so difficult for the few who do. Yeah, there's always going to be a handful or so that do 
And, you know, at the bottom of it, if nobody does, then that leaves the pastor and his family oh, yeah. doing the brunt of the work. And, I've, I mean, I've seen that. I've, I've went to churches where everybody, for the most part, not everybody, but the majority were pitching in, and it was done so fast. Yeah. Whether it was cleaning, putting things up, whatever it was, I thought, wow. You know, or a work day or landscaping or wherever. More people, more hands, easier the job. Certainly. Or but, on the flip side of that, I've seen it to where you just got a few and you're like, where's, yeah, where's I know all it. your help at? That's always a difficult thing in uh, pastoring. And you know, really, honestly, it it really is a, a spiritual problem at the root because uh, people who are not really connected, most of the time it's because their spiritual life is not thriving and prospering. And they're busy with a lot of things other than spiritual matters, and the church is not a priority. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, we, we we think about this concept. Paul wrote one time and said that I have planted, and then he named Apollos, and he said Apollos watered. But then he said God gave the increase. And he made the statement in that it's first Corinthians chapter three, verse six, and then down to verse nine. He says, We are laborers together with God. So I think all of us need to understand that what's happening in the local church is important to God. He cares about that. And, and I know we have, you know, the universal church, everybody who's really born again and washed in the blood and, and obeying the Bible, they're part of the universal church. But we also know the universal church has to be broken down into local churches because we can't all get together in one place worldwide. It's impossible even electronically. Mm. You couldn't get everybody, you know. So we have to have these local churches, and a lot of times we forget that every Christian has been called by God to do God's work. And, and so here it's true that, that man does depend on God. We cannot, we cannot build a church. We cannot have church. We cannot grow Christians on our own. We can't do that. We depend on God, and that doesn't need a whole lot of discussion. But God depends on us. I mean, when he first started with Adam, he put Adam in charge of the garden, and he depended on Adam to care for the garden. He depended on Adam and Eve to replenish the earth. You know, God didn't create six billion people and multiply, fill the earth at one whack. Right. He depends on, on human beings to do these kind of things. And, and even for a person to be saved, God depends on you to repent. He can't do that for you. you got to do that. God depends on you to work in his kingdom. And, and in the world and in the local church. So, you know, God's not going to send angels to do this work. We're going to have to do it. I always think of the story where Cornelius was praying and wanting the gospel and wanting to know how to meet, how to find God. And God sent an angel to Cornelius, but the angel didn't preach the gospel to no, him. Go get Peter. <laughs> the angel said, go get Peter. Here's yeah. a man, but God depends on man. And so, you know, we have to be the ones that are going to do God's work in the world, and, and it, our part of the world is the local church. You know, so God gave, when you start thinking about ministries, there were five specific ministries that Jesus said he gave the church in general. He gave apostles who, for the most part, were church builders. They would go into an area and, and kind of carve out a work for God. And then there were prophets who ministered, obviously at times, as pastors and sometimes as evangelists, but they had a message from God 
that was, that was powerful and prophetic too. And then there were evangelists whose obviously their main function was to travel from church to church to encourage and exhort and soul win. Then there are pastors and teachers. So God gave those five specific gifts and a lot of people feel like in their mind, if they are not called to preach, if they are not an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher, then they don't have to worry about doing the work of God. And mm. that is so wrong. Yeah. Because all of us know just those five ministry gifts cannot do everything God needs done. He depends on all of us to do our work. Well, and, you know, and another way of looking at it is as a member of the local church, if you're not one of those things, that means there's a long list of things you need to do yeah, so absolutely. they can be freed up. That is so true. To do those things. And see, that's a great point, Brother Austin, because in those early days of the church, they were trying to take care of the widows, remember? Mm -hmm. And the apostles finally said, look, we've, we've been called specifically by God to preach the gospel, be witnesses of, witnesses of the resurrection. We can't do everything. So they instituted what we call deacons, what they call right. deacons. So there are elders and deacons or trustees, churches need those. And you don't have to be a preacher to do that. So does that mean all a deacon does is wait on tables? <laughs> well, no, <laughs> probably not. I'm just kidding. I know. In those early days, that was the main focus. But you, yeah. you, know, the, you know the Bible enough to know yes, sir. that Stephen was a tremendous preacher. Yeah. Philip also. He was full of faith and yeah. the Holy Ghost. And so th they, were, they were godly men. Deacons are supposed to be full of faith and the, and Holy, the Holy Ghost. Ghost. <laughs> right. And, and that, makes, that makes all the world a difference. But God uses men to do that. Yeah. It, he's not going to do that. And, and then you, you, get, you get down into Romans and you find ministries mentioned like ministers, which is just a general term for anybody who ministers for God. Exhorters, which you know are those who encourage and exhort others in the Lord. There's the gift of mercy, giving, ruling. And then in addition to all those I've mentioned so far, you get in 1 Corinthians 12, and you read a word called helps. It's so, it's so funny. That Greek word literally means to lay hold of. And it's kind of the idea that you see a need or a lack or a responsibility, and you just lay your hands on it and do it. You know, you don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a position. Initiative. You don't have to have anybody tell you. Just You see yeah. it, you lay your hands on it, and do it. You help. Think about how many people could be a tremendous help in their local yeah. church who have never had a call to preach. Well, you don't have to have a call to preach. You need a, you need a desire to do God's work. And, and so, I mean, I suppose that word helps pretty well covers yeah. you know, everything that's not already mentioned in the Bible. Somebody needs to take the trash out. Lay your hand on it. Yeah. Do it. Because here's the thing. And you've been in a lot of churches, and you're traveling, and nobody likes to walk into a dirty church. Yeah, for, I'm just, just for an example, you don't like to walk in and and see Kleenexes all on the floor, or gum wrappers, or candy wrappers, or whatever. And and even people who attend that church would not be happy if they walked in there and it was dirty. But yeah. to get somebody to clean it is like pulling teeth. You know, they want to go into a restroom that's clean and neat, you know, and it smells okay. But hardly anybody wants to do that. It's frustrating. A lot of people want to have a bulletin handed out. Nobody ever wants to do one. You know what I'm saying? It, it's the thing we, we've kind of got this mentality. 
I think it's like a lot of people when, when I moved here and when you move to an area or you start looking for a bank. All right. So you, you check the local options and you lay out their brochures and you see this bank does this, 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 and this, and this bank does this, 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 and this, and you compare and whichever one will do the most for you free. Yeah. That's the bank you go to, you know, and there's people who do their church, do the church thing the same way. They're looking for a church. They want they want something for kids. They want something for uh, adolescents. They want something going on for teens. They want something for young adults. They want to go to a church that's got something for married couples. They want to go to a church that's got something for middle-aged. They want something for seniors. They want something they're taking trips or going to having activities or doing outreach. They want they want they want things churches doing all this stuff for them and they just want to come and go along for the ride. Yeah. You can't do show that. up and leave. Man. Yeah. It it's it really is I don't I don't mean to I'm not trying to be critical by any means, but it is frustrating to try to do the work of God without everybody putting their shoulder to the wheel. Yeah. And so, you know, there are teenagers out there who say, "Oh, I'm too young." Yeah, they want to drive a car, you know, and they want to have their own bank account, and obviously they've had their own cell phone since they were 12 years old, a lot of them. Yikes. But they act like they're too young to do anything for God in the church. And you got to wonder about that. And you got young adults, you know. And I know we get married, you start having children. I understand those responsibilities. We had four children of our own. And I know what that's like. But that's not an excuse to back away and not do work for God. And that you comes know? down from the teaching from the parents as well. Well, a lot of times that's true. That is the true. parents don't do nothing in the church. <laughs> yeah. And they're not involved. They're not doing anything. They're not staying late, helping clean. Yeah. You do an extra thing, extra activity. Their kids are not going to want to be involved either. Yeah, I tell you, I hope, I'm really hoping that in our, in, in our generation of time, because we're living in the end of time, we really are, no matter what your view about the rapture of the church is, we're living in the end of time. Yes. And I believe the rapture is imminent, could happen at any moment. Man, we need to be doing God's work. Yeah. And we can't expect anybody else to do it. Right. I mean, this, this church, if you ask somebody who attends here, they will say, I go to Brother Gallagher's church. And we know what they mean by that. I'm the recognizable person. I'm the pastor. But this is not my church. Yeah. You know? And, and they were having church before I got here. And if the Lord made, had me leave, they'd, they'd be able to have church without me. It takes everybody. It's our church. Yeah. So if our church is dirty, it's our fault. If our building is falling down, it's our fault. If the services are dead, it's our fault. If you can't, if you got Sunday school classes with no teachers, it's our fault. You know, so I mean, we can't expect anybody else to step up. There are churches today, honest, honest truth, who advertise in the paper for pianist, organist, soloist they hire they hire people to come in and do these things in their church because they don't have anybody in their church who's either willing or they feel qualified i don't know yeah. and we don't do that we want our people to do our work this this church is your family's place of ministry for the lord i've heard stories through time and i'm not going to name drop because i can't remember all of them but I've heard stories, and I know you have too, of in the you know in the older times when they didn't have musicians and things. True. You know what they did? They went over to an instrument and they anointed their hands and said, "God, help me to play this." I couldn't tell you. My wife's cousins they anointed their hands and pray for their hands all the time. 
And they're unbelievable musicians today. Yeah. How many times did they do that back then? Wow, yeah. They're just I'm, wanting to be used for God. They had a hunger and a desire. You know, yeah. it's true. When someone has a real desire to work for God, that's what I'm saying. We depend on God, but man, God depends on us. And when we show a desire to do his work, I believe he will definitely empower us to do it and give us even ability that we don't have. Or he'll enhance the ability that we may already have a little bit and just need him to, to work on it. Because I, you know, I believe when, when they went and got Bezalel and Aholiab to come and do that mighty work and that, that technical, detailed work for things of the tabernacle, I believe they already had ability. Yeah. That's why they were known. They were already known. But God anointed that ability and took it to a whole new level. And I believe God will do that for us when we reach out and, and do what he wants us to do. The abilities we do have, he will enhance those and multiply those and make them effective. But we, I think there are a lot of people in our churches who have not been willing to really step out and give it a try. They're just kind of waiting. Well... They're waiting for everybody else to do it. But, you know, we're not, we're not in this to compete with each other. There are people who get a, a jealous spirit. You know, they get envious. There's like a rivalry. And we're, we're, not, we're not in it to compete with each other. And by the same token, every once in a while, somebody gets an arrogant spirit, like they're better than everybody else. And that, that's pitiful, too. And then other people have an inferior spirit. On the other extreme, they don't, they don't think they can do anything at all for God. You know? So, man, all these things, we all, we've got to get past all these personal, well, hang-ups and, and give ourselves to working for the Lord. So whether your place is preaching, teaching, singing, playing music, maybe in children's ministry, Christian education, youth ministry, maybe God's blessed you to be able to give generously, Visiting, cooking, cleaning, maintaining, administrating, helping with activities and outreach. My, there's so much that needs to be done in a local church. And, and all of us have to work together because one plants, one waters, one does their part, the one does their part. And at the ultimate end, it's God working with us who brings the increase. You mentioned... Uh... I don't even Beaziel. Yes, yeah, yeah Bezaliel and Holiab. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even pronounce it right. No, that's okay. But that just made my mind just wonder for a second, and uh, that reminded me that he was the grandson of her. Oh yeah. And that we all know the story of Aaron and her were the ones that lifted up the hands of Moses. Yeah. That allowed them to be victorious against Amalek, and hmm. her was one that worked for God. Yeah. It was a service. Wow. Unto the Lord, wanted to lift up the hands of the man of God. True. Whatever he's got to do to help the man of God. He wasn't interested in taking it, over that place. But it trickled down. It did. Through his family, and his grandson helped make the tabernacle. That's great. That's exactly what will happen. That, that's what that. God will do with, in your family. I believe it. I really do. I believe families need to be, children need to be taught that they have a, we, we, are, we are citizens of an earthly country. I'm proud to be an American. I don't, I'm not shy about that. And I believe we as Americans have a responsibility, you know, as citizens. There are things we ought to do simply because we're citizens of America. And obviously one of those great things, we ought to definitely vote, you know, and be involved. And, and so we are also citizens of a heavenly country. 
Yes. And as such, there are responsibilities that we have and our children need to be taught from the time they're young that they not only have civic responsibilities, they have church and, and spiritual responsibilities that come along with being a Christian. And that local church, that's the place that your family ought to plug in and connect and be part of what's going on. And I mean from the mom and the dad to the kids, everybody ought to find their part and place and be part of what that church is doing. Yep, that's exactly it. I've, I've passed by churches before, well, come to Connected Church. Yeah. And that makes you wonder now, are you connected with your church? Hmm. If you are, hats off to you. We're not talking about you today. Right. <laughs> are right. you connected with your church? And then how much are you connected to your church? Have you went? Have you took your children to all of the extracurricular activities there are in the church? Is your church having any activities? As a youth leader, are you involved? Are you making activities for your young folks? That's one thing. We was in a church last year, and they were building a gym, beautiful gym, beautiful place, beautiful place, lots of young folks. This is what the pastor told me. He said, if I don't give my young folks somewhere to play and something to do, outside of church he said they'll find somewhere else to go mm. he said and i want to keep them involved in this church as much as possible friday nights they're going to play volleyball and basketball and cornhole and everything else at the big old gym he just built well it cost a lot of money how much are your kids worth true not everybody has the land to do that but they did yeah. you know how much are your kids worth and, and say we can't build a gym we're in a gym go to the playground go outside by, you know, any, there's all kinds of... A lot of ways to you know, do it. Some churches are landlocked. I understand that. But there's a lot of different ways. Fellowship hall, game night. There's all kinds of different things we can do to be involved in our youth, be involved in our church. But even outside of that, working in the church, coming to church, and this is something we've not even mentioned yet. And I know my brother-in-law has mentioned it on here before. We've done a, a segment on the importance of church music, and yeah. that's... His heart is really into that. Oh, He's yeah. so talented with that. But when you come to church, when the pastor calls on you to sing, already be ready. Not going through looking through five hymnals trying to find a song. Already have a song. You know, my wife, she does a great job. She comes to church with a song ready. Yeah. She's already looking through her songbook. She's already prayed about it. When we go to revival that night, her song's already ready. So she don't sing every night. Sometimes the kids don't hardly allow her to, but... She's already ready. She yeah. comes ready. She don't have to get up there and, oh, man, what am I going to sing? Yeah. Now, sometimes she will after I preach if I, don't, if I hadn't told her what I'm going to preach. Yeah, she's not sure what fits yeah. in that, with this. But a lot of times she will. She'll be like, what are you yeah. preaching tonight? Yeah. And most of the time, I'll, I, at that moment, I can tell her because she's like, I want to be ready. And that's exactly right. the attitude that we have got to have in the house of God. Be ready. Be ready to testify. Be ready to sing. Be ready to work. And the pastor says, hey, I want some men to stay over tonight. We're going to fix this. We're going to change this. We're going to move this. Ten four, yeah, I'll be get ready up at to four go. o'clock in the morning. Mm. Well, what? I mean, you can get up, you can go home and get a good night's sleep the other three hundred sixty four days. <laughs> Tonight, true. lose an hour, help your pastor. It's going to be worth it. It's going to yeah, be it beneficial. Be and the books were opened. God's going to open up a record book, absolutely, and it's going to be there. And I tell right. you what, I, in that record book, I want God to look at me and say, "Well, you help this, you help this, you help this." And I'm not nobody. I want to be a helper. Even right. as an evangelist, which I have five children now, don't get to as much as I used to. But when I see people doing stuff, I want to help. When they're pulling up chairs in the fellowship hall, a lot of times I help. When they're cleaning, right. my wife's doing everything she can to help. 
just because right. we want to help. It ain't just because we're trying to be like, oh, we're the evangelists. We want to make a good impression. And, mm. you know, that is part of it. You don't want to look lazy. But at the same time, you want to work yes. for the service of the Lord. I couldn't tell you, we've right. been to churches, and there's trash on the floor. I just pick it up. It ain't my church, but it's the church. Yeah, it's I God's do church. do that too, yeah. That's right. And, you know, really every family, they really ought to realize a thriving, holiness, Bible-preaching, Holy Ghost local church is the best friend your family is ever going to have. If you're going to get from here to heaven, you're going to need that church. And I'm telling you, when you when you ignore your church, neglect your church, stay away from it, you're sinking your own ship. Yeah. You're shooting a hole right in the boat that you need it to be traveling in, and when it all goes down and you go down, it's going to be a tragic thing. Man, I tell yeah. you, the local church is is our connection to the kingdom of God here on this earth. Yep. And we got to take it serious. Paul said he's coming back for a glorious glorious church. church. Yeah. Church. I right. want to be a part of the church. Me too. Absolutely. A lot of people's connection nowadays is only electronically. Yeah. And that is that is I understand. You know, we were on a podcast. You can't balance everything you say. I understand when people are disabled and they're not able to go. That's great to have that convenience of of seeing and hearing a service. I have no problem, obviously, with that. But when people deliberately stay away and their right. only connection is electronic, they're using an excuse and they're copping out. I'm tired. I worked hard today, Brother Dwayne. Well, I'm tired. Everybody's everybody's busy. <laughs> no, I don't know anybody yeah. who's got so much spare time they're trying to give any yeah. away. But then the boss calls. You know? I need you to come in right now. Kaboom. Come in right now. I'll pay you double time. Be yeah. right there. <laughs> priorities, brother. It really is. It, it's almost always a matter of priorities. What yeah. counts and matters the most to That's you? That's exactly it. Yeah. That's been a message I've preached the last probably two years more than more than ever. Priorities. Because that's yeah. where we're at right now. People's priorities are so mixed up. I want to be involved in the home church. I want to be involved. And I know I'm an evangelist, so I'm not there that much. But even when we are there, getting involved. I couldn't tell you how many times we've done landscaping, we've done trash, we've done painting, we're just initiative. Right. I remember one time, and I'm not saying this to put a feather in my cap. I'm just, I mean, the only story I know is mine. And so I remember one time we was going to, and just for an example, we was going to completely re-brick the front of the fellowship hall, but it was white siding. And the white siding all had to be taken off. It was, yeah. It would have been several hours worth of work. All the siding had to be taken off, all the nails out, thrown all the way, put on the trailer, and they had to make room for the guy to come in and put bricks. And he was coming in a few days. Well, you know, people work. People are busy. I'm a full-time evangelist parked across the street and had time on my hands. I never even asked. He's my father-in-law, yeah, too. Just went at I didn't it. even ask. I just went and grabbed ladders. And I completely, when, when he pulled up, I was almost pulling off some of the last last wow. sighting he was like well thanks <laughs> that's great you know didn't have to call nobody yeah. didn't have to these guys are going to work and coming home and yeah you know i just did it i had the time and i thought i'm gonna do something for the lord yeah. you know and it was ready and i thought i sure hope you don't cancel that brick guy <laughs> because it was pretty rough looking after the siding came off but you know just taking initiative and doing something and you know i, I could tell you my personal experience and i'm not gonna say names obviously we're on a podcast but i've been all over the country and I've seen churches with cobwebs in the corner. I've seen churches where the blinds were yellow. I've seen uh, trim, pieces of trim that were coming off and ripped. And, I mean, baseboards look like they have been cleaned in forever. 
I mean, cobwebs in the chandeliers, leaves in the foyer yeah. from that were blown in. And maybe they was blown in that night. They should have been, you know, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they was blown in that night, maybe a week ago. But you just look around and you're like, well, you wouldn't have your house looking like this. Why would you well, let God's house? at least you house? hope not. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. hope not. But I know what you're you saying. Know, carpet, you could tell hadn't been swept before yeah. that service. And, you know, just constantly, um, one of my pet peeves is light bulbs that are blown. You look around. I mean, one or two, obviously, it probably just happened. You look around, there's six, eight, ten. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What, who's not replacing light bulbs? And here, here's a pet peeve of Austin Griffiths right here. <laughs> is, is when you got when you got a yellow light bulb and an LED white light bulb on the same chandelier. I mean, yeah. my, my OCD just <laughs> it goes oh, crazy. I just want to like, my hands are like shaking. Like, oh, <laughs> man, somebody just do the same color in here. But anyways, that's a pet peeve, not talking about yeah, working we know what but, you're saying <laughs> but Why? working for god just being clean being clean you know how inviting is it when you know the landscaping ain't been touched and i know it's winter time right now but just throughout the year true how inviting is it you look at these mega churches and they look like i mean they yeah, are like a park. inviting <laughs> yeah. very inviting and we're sitting over here preaching the truth we're going to give you a way to go to heaven the power of god in your life you can get healed I mean, the power of God resides yes. within or should reside right. within the holiness church because we're preaching truth in the Bible, not just because we're, we're, you know, somebody. Right. Yeah. How inviting should your church it be? It ought to be. I agree. I agree with you. Our church doesn't have to be luxurious or like a, uh, you know, some kind of a magnificent edifice or whatever, but it ought to be clean and in good yeah. repair, and people ought to feel welcome there and invited there yeah. and comfortable We've pulled up there. in the parking yeah. lot and the grass be a foot tall. Shoo, yeah. We've pulled up in the parking lot and the grass be a foot and a half tall. Like, who's, I mean, in the summer, who's cutting this? You know, just for an mm -hmm. example, and we pulled up at one place one time and we honestly, I just about called the pastor. I thought it was an abandoned church. It looked that bad. That's a good yeah. thing I didn't call. <laughs> it, yeah. it really was the church. I was like, oh yeah. my goodness. How could and it I be? know people are probably wondering where that was, but mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just being truthful. That's all I know how to be. I'm just me. And I'm not trying to throw off on nobody or be mean or be cruel, but we have got to make our church inviting. Take care True. of your church sign. Clean. You know, and you say, well, we don't have a whole lot of money. It, a, a lawnmower and oh, some yeah. Mr. Clean, it, it don't cost very much. Most of those things are not going to be expensive things to do. It takes what we used to call elbow grease. Yeah. People have to... Take the initiative, like you have said, and be part of what's going on. They need to recognize that church as their church. Yeah. It's my church. This is important. How I treat this church is important because it's mine and my family's. And so it needs to be a vital part of your life. Treat God's house better than you treat your own house is the way I feel about Good it. Good rule of thumb. I've, you know, I'm an evangelist and I got to be careful. I'm not here to make enemies. But if this needs done at your church, and this needs done at your church, and this needs done at your church, and I'm not just speaking as the ministry or the leadership, but even as a lay member, if you know this needs done, and you know the pastor, the church really don't have that, and you do, well, it's not going to hurt you to give more than 10% that week. Just a love True. offering to the church. I couldn't tell you how many times in my home church, men have come up and be like, hey, we know this needs done. Here's a check. Well, that was more than their tithing that week. Right. But it was alms. It was offerings. Right. It was a love offering to God. They cared about it. Yeah. That's, that's so important. It really is. If everybody will do their part 
everything that needs to be done will be done. And that's, that's our responsibility. So I guess the gist of what we're saying here on this episode is just be available for True. your church. Be useful in your church. Be involved in your church. Be connected to your church. That's if right. you got some extra money and you're like, you know what, I'd just love to obey the Lord. I just love, and, and that's another thing. Be sensitive to the Lord. Not only obey the Lord in your walk and in your worship, but obey him in your wallet as well. And I know I'm an evangelist, but I try to do that as well. I try to let God be sensitive. I try to be sensitive to the Lord and let him get a hold of me. Try to donate. Try to give. Try to give to another evangelist. Try to let, you know, be used. We're all doing this for a purpose. We're all right. doing this for the same purpose. And you know what? Paul told Timothy, for I brought nothing into this world. And it is certain I shall take nothing out. I'm paraphrasing, but I shall take yeah. nothing out. You're not going to take it with you. And I know everybody believes differently, but I want to work for God. Absolutely. I mean, you could buy a new boat for 60000 That's great. I hope you do. But how, how much have you gave to the Lord? How much have you gave to the church, to missions, to whatever? Even to evangelists. Yeah. But anyways, right. <laughs> um, to right. offerings. But I mean, just doing, hey, uh, at, you know, when, when do we need a new roof? What, what can I do to help? Can I clean the gutters? Is there, what can I do? You know, coming out of winter, going into spring, there's a lot of church work to do. And if you don't know this, there's always tons and tons and tons of church work. It don't matter where you go to church, what your building's like, if it's state-of-the-art, brand-new, multi-million-dollar complex, there's always going to be something to do. Always. Always. So yeah. look around. Look around. Don't just start doing stuff, painting and changing stuff without talking to your pastor first. But ask him, hey, what do we need done around here? What can I do to help? What can I do to clean? Say, well, I don't have a whole lot of money. That ain't just what we're talking about. What mm -hmm. can you do to help? Can I get on the cleaning schedule? Can I get on the rotation schedule for the youth group or cleaning? Or what can I, can I drive the bus? Can I hand out tracks? What can I do to work in my church? Right. And the thing we all have to remember that it's everybody's church and everybody's responsibility, and we all have to work together. We're not all going to do the same thing. We're not all going to do it in the same way. We all have our different strengths. We have different personalities. We have different abilities. We have different liabilities and different potential. And we're all different. But God wants us to work together, and he's the one who makes it all meld and, and become together as one. We just have to be willing to do our part. Uh, I read uh, one time this little story about a carpenter who uh, was getting ready to go to work that morning. He went out toward his shop, and as he approached the shop, he heard these voices. And he thought, that's, that's odd. There shouldn't be anybody in my shop. So he stopped to listen, and he found out his tools. I know you didn't know tools could talk, but in this story they can. He, his tools were bickering with each other about what tools were most useful, you know, and, and criticizing other tools' faults. For example, they criticized the hammer because they said he was too hard. And then they criticized the saw because they said he was too noisy and he always made a mess. And they criticized the sandpaper because he was too rough and he ended up rubbing people the wrong way. And they criticized the plane because he did only surface work. Then they criticized the chisel because he broke things apart. And then they criticized the tape measure and the ruler because he thought he was always right and judged everybody else by his standards. And so, you know, it's just a obviously a, a sarcastic, maybe satirical is a better word, 
way of, of how we can be we can be so easily critical of others and their their style or their method or what they do but God wants us to work together. I mean, you need a hammer, even though even though it is hard. Yeah. And you do need a saw, even though it does make a mess. And you do need a sandpaper and a plane and a chisel and a ruler. And all these things are all needed in their time. And often our God's tools are like that. We kind of spend maybe too much time criticizing each other more than we do cooperating with each other. But instead of you picking on somebody who's already trying to do God's work and you never find it to be satisfactory. How about pitching in and do part of God's work yourself too? And if we all do it together, the little kids always sing that little song. If we all pull together, how happy we'll be. And that is so true. Everyone can't be a pastor. No. What if, what if every one of your members was a pastor? Oh my nightmare. You can't all be teachers. Can't all be singers. Can't all be instrumentalists, deacons, preachers, evangelists. Can all be everything. Everyone has their own calling. Romans 12 and 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. I mean, we can read in different other places in the Bible where it talks about, you know, can the hand tell the foot? We don't need you. And things like, I'm paraphrasing, but, yeah. you know, whatever you do in God's in, for God in this life, and it's pleasing to Him, do it. Do it to the best of your abilities. And most importantly, when you're in God's will, stay there. Stay in the will of God. I, right. You read that little story. I'm going to read this little study here, and we'll jump off here. But we owe our balance of our of our feet, our balance of our body, to our 26, sorry, bones in our feet. Hmm. The big toe has two major bones, and the other four toes have three little bones. But they are all connected to the midfoot by more bones, going to the ankle, which causes us to walk like a tripod in our bones. Even the pinky toe itself has no functional value. Wow. Did you know that? But hmm. removing the metatarsal, if you remove your pinky toe, could you think you could live without your pinky toe? I would think you could. I mean, I mean like, you wouldn't think you'd be that big a deal. Yeah. It has no functional value. But if you remove your pinky toe, it would make running, walking, and skipping nearly impossible. Wow. Because it's according to Northwestern University, because it throws your body off balance. Off of balance, yeah. Ain't that unbelievable? You may feel your part in God's kingdom is insignificant. Yeah. You may feel that it doesn't matter, and I'm just not. I'm just not going to play my part anymore. You got a part to play in God's kingdom, and we need you in the church. Not everybody has the same part to play. Mm. What kind of orchestra would it be if everybody played the tuba? <laughs> It'd be pretty rough. What if everybody played the drum? It'd be pretty rough. There's all those little instruments that all come together, and the conductor knows his music. It all takes everybody, right? each person, each job, each different personality to make your church go and say, you know what? All I do is put up the Fellowship Hall chairs every time we're in the Fellowship Hall. That's all I do. That's all I ever do for the church. Well, somebody else has got to do it. Well, all I do is clean the bathrooms. All yeah. I do is cook. Yeah. All I do is take care of the service when the pastor is gone. All I do is sing specials. All I do, that's part of the church. It takes Brother Dwayne, can you can you preach your midweek and Sunday? Also teach Sunday school. Also cut the grass. Also clean the gutters. Also do all the painting, all the sheetrocking, all the cleaning, all the sweeping, all the baseboard dusting, all the fellowship hall wow. cleaning, all the cooking. There's no way. 
no, and I'm just hitting, no one man could ever sweeping do the it. carpet. It can't be done. Counting all the money. Mm. What else? Paying all the bills. Visiting all the sick. Boy. See, what else can we add to the list? Can you do all that? No way. No one, no one pastor and his wife can do everything. It's impossible. So that means we need the church. Absolutely. And you know what? I personally think, and I think we stand together, what the Bible talks about it, and we can read in Acts 6, we already mentioned it there already, about the deacons. Mm-hmm. I think that the church, since I was raised and this is how I believe it, the church should do everything they can so the pastor can pray and study and have the mind of God for the service. True. Because if he's busy doing all those other things, it's going to hinder all the services for God to move. Yep, it distracts from the main focus. You're right. So what can I do to make my services better? What can I do to make my pastor's job better? And then we start getting into, well, one person could change a service. You come to church with a song. You come to church with a testimony. Brother Joey Hyatt preached one time on who's got the key of the service, and he just handed out blank keys. And you know what? That's all he did. <laughs> yeah. That's all he did was hand out keys. I, you know, I'm sure you've seen him do it. He just handed out keys all night until somebody grabbed one, and they got God moved on them, and they was the key to the service, wow, and there yeah. it went. Yeah. You know how he was. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how it needs to be. I couldn't tell you how many times we've been in a service like that where somebody was just the key to the service right when everybody obeys the lord you know god's work will be done well thank you so much for coming on the podcast today all the words you had to say hopefully this will help somebody and hopefully somebody will decide you know what i'm going to be yielded i'm going to be useful yes, i'm going to be abandoned to the lord i'm just going to give my church what i haven't been given them i sure hope that's the case i enjoyed being with you well we hope you come back to the podcast thank you brother Gallagher, for coming on And if you want to hear him, you can go back to the Holiness series. I'm not sure what number, but you can go back and listen to Gender Distinction, Appearance Distinction. And until next time, we'll see you later. Peace out. When this race of life I've run, the Lord says to me, my child, well done. There will be no regrets for me, I'll